The following audio is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that this recording will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. in the light of what his grand purposes are in this world today. 
And this morning we're going to uh, look at what, it, uh, uh, again, another aspect of, of what it means to imitate God and that we are to walk uh, wisely, we are to walk in wisdom. Paul begins here in this passage in Ephesians 5, 15, where he says that we are to be careful how we walk as God's children. In other words, what he's saying here, we are to continually pay very close attention to how we live as followers of Christ, how we conduct ourselves day by day as God's children. You know, our lives as, as God's treasured children are meant to conform, if you like, to a specific pattern or standard. Uh, it's a, an ethical or moral kind of behavior that is in line with our new identity in Jesus. And of course, in line with what God's purposes are for us. You know, we, uh, we need to recognize that, uh, that, 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 uh, that, that it carries the, the meaning in the original language that the Greek language that the New Testament was written in of a, a person who is taking very careful consideration of their identity in Jesus in the midst of the, the various life circumstances and challenges and, and situations that we find ourselves in. And, in, and, and as we find ourselves in those kind of situations and circumstances, it's a, it's a weighing up. It's a, it's a choosing a course of action in our lives that is in line with God's Word and, of course, with honor Him as our Heavenly Father. Now, there are many things in our lives that we give really close attention to, aren't there? Many things. I know when Carl and I, when we first uh, uh, built our home, we, you know, we deliberated over which building we might go with, you know, what sort of design might best suit our needs, you know, what type of roof we should have on the house, what color schemes, tiles, carpentry, all those sorts of things that you might consider when you're building. And not only you know, do we consider it in terms of you know, uh, the place in which we live, but people can also put a lot of uh, thought and a lot of deliberation to what kind of subject to study at school or uni so that they might you know, sort of be able to sort of set themselves up well for a future job and career. People can put a, a great deal of thought into buying a gift for, for people, whether that be birthday gifts or Christmas gifts or just even just a, you know, a gift to sort of brighten a, a person's day. We want to be able to express to, to these people you know, how much they take mean to us. And we might want to you know, put gifts in them to spirit or, or show them how much they are loved and appreciated. So we can you know, spend time doing that. Of course, another, another area we might spend a lot of time uh, really planning over and, and considering is, is the holidays that we might go on. Of course, not at the moment because you, you, know, you can't go too far. But uh, you know, I'm sure that uh, many of you over the, you know, over the years have, have put a lot of planning and a lot of consideration into family holidays. You know, it's certainly good to, uh, you know, to take time to plan well, particularly when it comes to, to matters like these and others like them. We can be considered wise when we do that. But for the believer, for the follower of Jesus, we need to give much more consideration to how we live as Christians. Paul goes on to say that, that being careful how we walk means that we are not to, we are to live not as unwise, but as wise. Because a person who is unwise is someone who lacks discernment and, and perhaps even common sense, although I wonder why they call it common, because it's really not that common today, is it? That's just me. But from a biblical perspective, being unwise or, or foolish, as the Bible often refers to, is the person who does not heed God or His ways. 
Psalms 14, verse 1 says, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. The fool says in his heart, There is no God. Psalm 111, verse 10 uh, speaks of the, 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 the positive aspect of it, where it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God, the reverence for God is the, is the beginning of wisdom. And all who practice it have good understanding. Or so Jesus, in his sermon on the mount, spoke in Matthew 7 of the wise and foolish builders, didn't he? The person that was wise was the person who built his house upon the rock. It is the word of God, the promises of God, the teaching of Christ. And when the storms of life came, and particularly that, uh, that uh, also has in, in mind the future, the, the coming future judgment, when that person built his house, put his trust in Christ and built his life on Christ, that house stood firm. But of course, the person who doesn't, we, 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 we uh, read in that particular uh, parable that Jesus says that that person comes from the storm of pain and that final judgment of God came on their lives, it crumbled to pieces and their hearts to win. Unwise people live for the here and now and for their own pleasure. They give little or no consideration to God's holiness or to the eternal nature of God. Because in contrast to this, the person who is wise lives in a way which uh, uh, Paul goes on to talk about now. He lists three specific things that a wise person does, how they live. And, and uh, he begins in, uh, in, uh, by saying that wise people make the best use of their time knowing that the days are evil. A truly wise person uses their time well for God and His purposes. That's uh, again this word for making the best use of their time. It's a, a word in the original language which is uh, one use of, of the marketplace. And it carries with it the meaning of, of a person who would diligently uh, search for and seek out and snap up the bargains which might come along to them. Any of you who have perhaps uh, read the Aldi catalogues and seen those really good specials that sort of come along from time to time and then lined up in those great big long queues out the front, hoping to get in and get to one of the, one of the, the very few products that are on the shelf. You know what I'm talking about here. Now, another way that this verse is, that this word is translated is, is, is uh, it's redeeming the time. And what it's talking about there is, is actually buying back the time. It's actually getting that time uh, in order to use it well, to use it wisely for God. It means living, as I said, with a heavenly and eternal perspective, a Godward perspective in our lives. It means being alert to the spiritual realm and the opportunities to which God might bring our way and, and opportunities in which to obey Him and serve Him and point others to Him. Because it means being alert to and grabbing these opportunities like you would a bargain uh, at the shops or a bargain online. Because these opportunities, you know, they, they may differ between individuals because our situations and circumstances, uh, you know, they all differ, don't they? They, they, they differ quite uh, varyingly. You know, we, we live in different places. We interact with different people. We all have different abilities and things like that. We all have different challenges to deal with. And so, you know, some of these opportunities may, you know, will differ um, between us. However, there are some opportunities that are common to all of us as followers of Christ. 
And I got to see him die, and I went after to be regularly in the Word of God. So that, that, that Bible study, that, that, that reading God's Word and meditating upon it and taking it in and allowing it to, to shape us and mold us. Of course, another one of these opportunities is today that we're presented with is, is, is the opportunity to, to spend time in prayer with God. You know, to, to come before God and, and bring before Him all those things that are on our hearts. But also to, to then, you know, recognize that God is, is the one who is in control. The one who we need to, to put our faith and our trust and have great confidence in. And we bring these things, obviously, to God in prayer. Another one of these opportunities is, is, is the opportunity to disciple. Not only for, for ourselves to be disciples of Jesus, but also to get alongside and disciple one another in the faith. Another uh, opportunity that we all have is the opportunity to witness about Jesus to those around us and to share the material blessings and to help one another in practical ways. And of course, another one which we perhaps might not perhaps like to do, but of course, it's certainly a great opportunity for us in our daily lives, is even to endure hardship and suffering in a way that reflects our trust and our confidence and our hope in God. There are all kinds of ways in which we can redeem our time and use it for God and for His purposes. And that's what we need to do. We need to consider how we would do that each and every day. Not only are we to, to make the best use of our time, knowing that the days in which we live are evil, but also we are, are to continually, moment by moment, seek to understand what the will of God is. We see that in verse 17 of our passage this morning, where it says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Of that leads us to the question, well, what on earth is God's will? I'm sure many of us have pondered uh, that in our own uh, lives and our own minds uh, over, the, uh, over the, uh, the course of our lives. But knowing what the will of God is, this is a sermon subject, or probably several sermon subjects in and of itself, and I'm only going to deal with it briefly here this morning. It's uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. If we go back to the very beginning of this letter of Paul, he states that the will of God is to unite all things in heaven and on earth under the rule and reign of Christ. If you go back there, it says this. It says that, um, don't read it from verse 7, it says that in him, talking about Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him, in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. We see that primarily the will of God is to unite all things under Christ, under the rule and reign of Christ. But then as we read on a bit further in verse 11, we're told that God works all things according to the counsel of His will. His will then can be understood this way, and that is His is His God's determined plan, if you like, in directing all things according to His own wisdom and pleasure to bring all things together under that, that authority of Christ. Another aspect of God's will is found in Paul's letter to the, uh, the Christians in Thessalonica where he says this in chapter uh, 4, verse uh, 1 Thessalonians 
chapter 4 and verse 3, where he says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. That is, that you should be made holy, made more and more like Christ. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. There is another aspect of God's will for us as his children, that we be sanctified. And then again in 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, he says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So even just in these huge verses here, we get a bit of an understanding of what the will of God is for, for, uh, for creation, but also for us as His children. Mark chapter 3 and verse 35, Jesus tells us, that it is only those who do God's will who are really His children. Well, sometimes we can get really hung up, can't we, in terms of you know trying to uh, work out what God's specific will is for our lives, but being unsure of what that might look like, you know, what it looks like in, in our own kind of context. For instance, you know, what job we should do, or who should we marry if we intend to get married, or what churches. So what church we should attend or what ministry we should serve in, all those kinds of things. And quite often, God doesn't make things, you know, explicitly clear, does He? Like in Daniel, where there was the handwriting on the wall, you know, God doesn't necessarily, doesn't quite often do that for us. Nor does He write it in the sky, or nor does He, you know, give that, that clear, audible voice telling us what we should do, how we should obey His will. But what He does give us is His word. It's his word. And the guiding commands and principles that are contained in his word. And of course, he also gives us his indwelling Holy Spirit. And when I've often had people ask me, you know, how do I work out what God's will is for my life? I've always tried to, to counsel people first and foremost to be willing to submit their wills and their lives to God first, to surrender to him regardless of what it's going to cost them. This is the place in which we need to start and pray to obey the will of God. It is listening to the, to lead, to the leading of God's Holy Spirit as we, as we read God's Word and as we pray, as we seek the counsel of godly and wise brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, God directs us often through all these kind of language, doesn't it, in our lives? Of course, there's a time to be still and to wait upon God. You know, waiting to, to sort of to, to, to impress upon our heart. But ultimately, we need to see the direction and allow God to direct the path that, that, we, that we go. And, and, and to, to be willing to obey Him in that. And, and to God, allow God to open and close those doors as He chooses. The important thing, of course, is our heart attitude. Am I wanting to honor God above all else when it comes to living for Him? Simple things is the supporting disciples how to pray. He included as part of that prayer the word, Your will, Father, be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, and as God's children, we cannot pray that prayer in all sincerity unless we are wanting His will to be done first in our lives. And that means firstly coming to that point of absolute surrender to Him. Complete and utter surrender to Him. 
But he needs a person who is living as, as wise, not as, not as unwise, as a person who is seeking to, to redeem the times in order to, you know, to make the best use of the opportunities that God brings our way in our lives. Not only that, it's also to make sure that we are you know, trying to, to, to understand the will of God and to do it, to put it into practice in our lives. And finally, Paul says here in verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is divorcery, but be filled with the Spirit. Here is the third aspect of what a, a person who is wise, how we live as wise people with God. He says, do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Again, I beg the question, David, what does it mean then to be filled with the Spirit? Well, one thing I want to make that clear from the start is this, that it is not, Paul is not talking here about some kind of, of second blessing or a baptism of the Spirit. Because we're told in Scripture that every believer receives the fullness of the Holy Spirit upon conversion. You know, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, uh, the Apostle Peter, as he's preaching to the, the, uh, the crowd there at Pentecost, he says this, he says, Repent and believe and be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we receive the Holy Spirit when we confess our sins before God, when we repent of our sin and turn towards Him in faith, we receive God's Holy Spirit. And we receive the fullness of the Spirit at that point as well. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Speaking of that, you know, we, we don't just get a part of the Holy Spirit at conversion and then a little bit more later on and a little bit more later on, but we receive the all of the Holy Spirit at Conversion. 1 Corinthians 12.13 speaks about the fact that they know that the Holy Spirit is given to us. It is not something we get for ourselves. For it says, for by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. It is that the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. We are all connected then with Christ and with one another in His body now. You know, I like actually how John MacArthur illustrates this. What, is, what, what it means to be filled with the Spirit. He, he speaks about the fact that this word be filled has three different kind of aspects or meanings to it. And the first uh, carries with the idea of, of pressure. Uh, it's, it's used to describe, if you like, the, a sailboat. If you imagine a sailboat there on the water and the wind filling the sails of that sailboat and moving the sailboat across the water. Now, in the spiritual realm, what we're talking about here is it's it, it, it means the Holy Spirit provides, if you like, the thrust or the emphasis to carry the, uh, you know, to carry the believer down the pathway of obedience to God. That is one aspect of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. A Spirit-filled Christian, instead, isn't motivated by his own desires or will to progress, but instead he allows the Spirit of God to carry him in God's way. In God's direction. Another uh, uh, aspect of this being filled is, is, to, is the idea of, of permeation. Uh, and uh, the um, illustration here might be I don't know if you've ever sort of had a, a glass of, of Astro Tour. You know, you sort of get a headache or something like that, and you get the glass of water, you drop the tablets in, they sort of all start frothing and bubbling and fizzing up, and then, all of, you know, in, in a matter of a couple of minutes, 
The toddler has completely all disappeared. Heaven might have as well as just a few bodies and that sort of thing. But you get that, that clear, distinct taste of, of asphalt here when you drink that water. You know, it's, uh, this is kind of like, uh, you know, what we're talking about here in terms of the Spirit terminating us. Because God wants the Holy Spirit to, to come into our lives and to permeate every aspect of our lives and to flavor, if you like, our lives so that when we're around others, that they will know for certain that we possess this, this pervasive um, presence of the Spirit in our lives. There's a real kind of, uh, of, of authenticity to our Christian lives that people see, a real kind of, of spiritual uh, activity that is, that is at work in our lives. It permeates every aspect of our lives. And the third aspect that, uh, that, is, that is spoken of is, is the aspect of, of total control. And that is what uh, the, the contrast of Paul is sort of trying to make here when he, when he speaks about getting drunk on wine compared with being filled with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. He says what he's talking about here is basically that which exerts influence and control over our lives. It's both getting drunk and being filled with the Spirit produce or should produce a change in behavior. Of course, we're getting drunk with wine produces the negative aspect, doesn't it? It's interesting that uh, in writing about this, um, the uh, renowned pastor and theologian, author Martin Lloyd-Jones, who himself was a physician, says this. He says that alcohol is a depressant. It depresses first and foremost the highest centers of all in the brain. These control everything that gives man self-control, wisdom, understanding, discernment, balance. In other words, the power to assess everything properly, um, you know, realistically, if you like. And so alcohol inhibits and even suppresses these things in our lives. Suppresses us in terms of our ability. It leads to to wastefulness. It leads to to damage, to destitution and destruction in our lives. You know, we need to look around us at the the influence that alcohol has on people in our society today. The devastating impact that it has. The other aspect of Paul speaks about here, the alternative, or the positive side of things, is to be filled instead with the Spirit. The Spirit of God who brings proper judgment, who, who gives us the ability to, to exercise proper self-control, who allows us to have wisdom and godliness. In other words, all those things which is a benefit to us and which leads to life and fullness. mentions here that, you know, that, that this is the, 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 the reality. This is why he, he, he contrasts these two things because he's talking about this aspect of control within us but he says you know, to be filled with the Spirit because it is, it is that one that leads to life and wholeness and fullness and godliness. It is that way that's designed to actually benefit and profit us the most in our lives. Well, in verses 19 to 21 of our passage this morning, Paul goes on to give some practical aspects of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. He talks about addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Things here that Paul is perhaps pointing to our, to our corporate worship together and the encouraging of each other as we, as we come together, as we meet, as we, as we sing the songs of faith. 
what Paul is also talking about here is the content of our words. Those words that we speak in our, in our day-to-day lives. We're speaking about, you know, we, we need to make sure that the content of our speech, the content of, our, of, of what, we, what we give out of our mouth is that which is honouring and glorifying to God, which is Christ-exalting, but also which is edifying to those around about us. He goes on to speak about, you know, about singing and making melodies of the Lord with our hearts. Paul's speaking here of this authentic, genuine praise and adoration towards God and our deep sincerity in that. So when we come, you know, when we, we, we're wanting to, 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 to sing to God or whether or not we're wanting to live our life, you know, uh, according uh, to, to God and God's grace, that we're doing so with this, this really deep sincerity, with this intention of wanting to be pleasing to our Heavenly Father. Something which is going to be, as Lord Paul says earlier in this, in this chapter, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And Solomon Isaiah also goes on to speak about not only you know, we sing and make melody to the Lord with our hearts, but also we are to have thankful hearts, recognizing the goodness and the grace of God in our lives. And recognizing, you know, that, that, that his ways are right and true and good. And finally, Paul goes on to speak that, 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 that we are to have a mutual submission. And Pastor Mark is going to deal with that uh, next week as we look uh, further into this chapter and into the opening verses of chapter 6. Again, you know, quoting Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says this about the spiritual life. He says, the spirit-filled life is not to be measured merely by one's own private and personal morality, or even by one's own private spiritual experience. But it needs to be measured by how one conducts himself or herself with those around him. That is the true evidence of the spirit-filled life. Obedience to God and how we conduct ourselves towards so as we come to the you know, to the, uh, the end of, of this particular message this morning, I want to just uh, leave us with these couple of thoughts. And that is this. Paul is speaking out here, he says, as, as followers of Christ, if we're going to imitate God in our lives, he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So how will you personally, this week, Seek to walk as wise, not as unwise. How will you seek to redeem the time, to, to make the best use of your time for God this week in your life? What are the, you know, how are you going to use, have, ask God to help you use those opportunities which God brings across your path this week in order to, to please Him and honor Him and obey Him and serve Him? How will you look to, uh, to, to understand God's will in the midst of your life? We've already understood that, you know, what God's you know, overall will is to bring everything under the rule and reign of Christ. We recognize that God's will for us is to be sanctified, you know, to, to, be, uh, you know, to be filled with thanksgiving and, and, and that sort of thing. So how is that going to translate into your day-to-day living this week? How are you going to ask God to, uh, to work in you and through you in, the, in light of these things. And finally, how 
how you're going to how are you going to ask God to 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 see you in spirit and truth? How are you going to allow the spirit of God to to permeate your life? You know, to 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 lead you, you know, along in obedience to God's decree. How are you going to be found in in light of that? You know, the first century church in, in Ephesus, the, the Christians that Paul was preaching here, he was speaking through this letter. You know, they found themselves living in, in situations and circumstances not unlike our own today. They had all kinds of, of, of pressures and demands on them as, as followers of Christ in a culture that was very much ungodly. Now, they themselves faced similar challenges, pressures, difficulties, and oppositions to their faith. But Paul knew, though, that if they were to remain strong in the Lord, if they were to be faithful and effective witness in their community, then they needed to rely on God and on the Spirit of God in their lives. They needed to, uh, to, um, to be imitators of God, to walk in love, to walk in light, and to walk in wisdom. Let's pray to one another this week that we might all seek to be such people with the help of the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, may we ourselves be that fragrant offering, that wonderful you know, sacrifice to God you know, in our daily lives. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you this morning that we live in this particular context. And we live in this, you know, in our own kind of uh, culture, Lord, in our own, uh, you know, personal situation. Lord, your call to us as followers of Jesus is indeed to, to be people who, Lord, who, who uh, reflect Christ to those around us. And the way we do that is in the way in which we love you and love one another. How we walk in the light of your truth as contained in the word. Lord, walking wisely. We've heard what that means today, God. We pray that this week that you might indeed help us to walk as wise, not as unwise. Oh God, may we ourselves humble ourselves before you this week. Lord, come to that place where we want to surrender every aspect of our lives to you. That Lord, that we would be people who are wanting to please you above all else, that nothing else matters apart from, from pleasing you in our lives. Lord, challenge us afresh through your word this week. And Lord, and as we go into this week, and as we are presented with the various opportunities that we have in order to serve you, Lord, help us to take advantage. Help us to grab those opportunities you place in our lives. Lord, confident in the knowledge that you are with us, and that your spirit enables us in order to be effective witnesses to you. Help us to grow in the and to live with that kind of confidence in Thanks for listening to this audio from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.